everyone. Welcome back. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And like I was saying yesterday, today, we're going to be getting into it. I know, again, I wasn't here for the entire week, and I explained that on yesterday's podcast, and I'll make sure to have some more stuff out in the coming days. But I didn't. we didn't get to talk about the Oscars. And who do I mean by we? I mean, of course, my great friend, the awards connoisseur himself, Jason Abdal. First off, Jason, how are you doing, my friend? Have you been throughout the week? Because again, we haven't really, we've caught up, we've texted each other, but we, we didn't talk about this instantly on the podcast on Monday. So it's been a week. How are you taking it in? How are you feeling after Sunday's results of the Academy Awards? I know it wasn't planned for us to not immediately talk about it. I yeah. know we were originally, we had this day already set, kind of give ourselves like a little less than a week to think about it. But in hindsight, man, we like, we really needed... <laughs> We really need the extra time. There's so much to think about. Yeah. Uh, which, you know what? It's kind of nice because if I were to get everything right, I would have felt a little empty. Yeah, like, uh, I agree. You know, everything's as expected. But and now, I mean, I mean, we don't even need to talk about the winners to talk about the Oscars. Yeah, We absolutely. could do an entire show really just based on, like, just <laughs> the absolutely. show. Absolutely. And they're kind of intertwined with one another. And I think – Kind of like last year where, for the better, it was kind of like you were saying, the, the night kind of started kind of similar, and we don't want to get everything right, but it kind of started out that way. And like last year, it ended with a lot of great surprises. This year, kind of the same thing happened, but I think there was a result that was a little bit more, oh, excuse me, yeah. controversial. A little bit more <laughs> it, controversial. it wasn't the same reaction that everyone had when Parasite surprisingly swept. Yeah, it was a little different and similar to last year. Like you said, I got like the first nine or 10 right. And then it was just a crapshoot after that. Totally, totally just fell apart. And once we got to the shorts. And- yeah, completely, completely did. And again, we'll get to the winners and the losers and, and who we got right, who we got wrong in, in just a little bit. But and, and I guess we want to save a little bit for it because it intertwines with the categories that we'll be talking about a little later on. But Overall, what did you think about the telecast? We knew we were going to get something more different, more intimate. It was being produced by Steven Soderbergh, one of the producers behind it as well. So we knew we were going to get to something different. He said it was going to be kind of like a movie and that it was going to be at LA LA Union Station. So what did you think overall of the telecast and how it was done and just, I guess, seeing people again after kind of having a award season that was, for the most part, pretty virtual? I liked people in person. I recently learned that the LA Union Station situation was very much a mess. Yeah. And it, they displaced a lot of people, and a lot of people who rely on the trains and stuff from that station are handicapped. And it's just, oh, that's just the worst thing to yeah. imagine that they just had to all get detoured and go through these complicated routes to get anywhere because the Oscars. Uh, so in hindsight, I'm like, okay, maybe that could have been done right, differently. Yeah. yeah. As and for I- Steven Soderbergh, uh, you know, I don't know what decisions were his specifically, but this whole, it's a movie. I was like, when we first started, you get that tracking shot of Regina King walking in and it's in the, you know, it's in the movie widescreen yeah. aspect ratio. I was like, all right. I see what you're doing here. And I was so excited for her to get 
to the, you know, did a little movie-esque walk up and she gets there and then like the aspect ratio shifts back to normal and it's like, let's go. And then the aspect ratio never changed back. It was like <laughs> awkwardly like these black bars were there and I'm like, oh, I guess that's a homage to the movies. But then it never really panned out. He really talked it up too. He's like, oh, there's going to be storylines and character arcs and that. no, <laughs> that didn't yeah. happen. Yeah. It was just a normal Oscar ceremony, but because of the technical limita- limitations, the presenters couldn't actually physically be there to hand off the Oscars. The Oscars were like standing on like a T-ball. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of weird. <laughs> and they just announced it, and then the one had to walk up to the floating statue. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was weird because like cause when you see people and they – they, they they don't hold up the statue because usually with the winners they're holding it and they're talking the, the stat it was right there so it was weird just kind of had them like their arms were free completely but you know what to be fair given the technical limitations like there were some awkward camera angles uh, but I think it, and it was weird when they would be announcing a nominee and you know you're just like Daniel Kaluuya won his Oscar and he's just like oh okay and <laughs> Like you're yeah. looking all the way back and um, they show Glenn Close at the end and she's just sitting there having lost her eighth straight Oscar. And then Daniel Kaluuya is randomly at her table with his Oscar right in front of her. Deliberate. <laughs> That's going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get like the, because of the Globes, it's usually, oh, this is the people you were in movies with. It just kind of seemed random who people were sitting with. Yeah. Some, um, like, some seating arrangements were were I think within the teams like I think the Nomadland team were sitting together yeah. I know the Promising a Woman team was kind of sitting together in their own corner for, but for you are right some like people were just sitting like deliberately Glenn anyway Close, who's like a one-off yeah she, they didn't want to have her sit with the makeup artist from Hillbilly LNG like yeah and, and, and I think also Keith Stanfield was in the UK so he and Chloe couldn't really sit together to represent Judas and the Black Messiah so and I gotta say the UK I actually I think that could have been done a little more because I thought it was just going to be the two LA stations mm-hmm. and the one UK set, but they were really doing all around the world. They made sure everyone could get in there. And I was like, it's a shame that they couldn't incorporate that a little more, especially when you saw what they did with the Dolby Theater in Seoul, um, mm-hmm. where they had Bong Joon-ho presenting, which also I thought that was the best was he brought his translator back. Yeah, that was nice. They did the cool little, they you know, they panned from him to her over to him and i was like that's it's like directing mm-hmm. and i thought <laughs> it was cool was, too where, cool where she she said it in in korean i believe it was and then he said it yeah because she had been translating the whole time and at the end they flipped it i was like that's cute yeah um but it also felt like they were the ones who planned that and not the people in charge of the oscars and yeah. nothing was that clever uh but like the the theater they got in the uk it was literally like they just got like whatever a normal movie theater. Yeah, <laughs> it basically. Look that special. Um, also, masks were just not a thing, and I think that was another thing. Soderbergh is like masks are going to be a huge part of the show. Well, I, I think he said that when it's when the telecast is going, like when we're on air, they're off. When they're when it's when it's commercial or something, they're on. Which what does what difference does it make? I don't I know. Mean, like, are we not going to see it? Like, it'd be better for us not to see, like, have their masks on in than in commercial, have them take it off. The thing about the Oscars, that you, in pretty much any award show, not just the Oscars, um, what you need to be careful about is, you know, these are, for the most part, the ones that we pay attention to, like, 
either celebrities who have a lot of money and uh, they're not exactly like us. <laughs> Very true. And your big thing is to make them seem, you know, likable and similar to you. You don't want them to feel out of touch. And it never goes well. <laughs> it's no, tough. it doesn't. It does. It's tough. That kind of stuff is exactly like, it just looks like a bunch of like, oh, we don't have to wear our masks and the whole, oh, we'll wear them in commercial break. No, like you just seem so out of touch and fake. Like that's, and that's the worst look. So they should have just not even said anything. But it was, yeah, it was weird looking at the red carpet. Nobody was wearing masks on the carpet. And I get it if you're vaccinated and distant outside, but in the theater, it's like, you're sitting at tables. You're not six feet apart. You're not wearing your mask. I don't know who is who is and isn't vaccinated. I don't know who hasn't had the gun tested and when. I mean, in uh, one of the Lucas brothers, uh, who the, the one of the writing people on yeah. Judas and the Black Messiah, they're comedians. They they made a joke. They said uh, we might not have won an Oscar, but at least we got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, that's true. It could very, it could have very well happened, and we did not know about it. I do want to ask you though. The ratings did come out for it, and listen, it was reported we that predicted it, but we did not predict. Yeah, we didn't predict it to be this low. I think not like we expected it to be bad, but it was, it, it was bad. Let's just put it that way. When you sent me the ratings, and I saw nine point eight, I was like, okay, so that was the pre-show. Yeah. So we're, we're in, I like scrolled because I don't know how to read. I just looked for numbers and then I'm like, okay, maybe I should read. Um, <laughs> like, oh no, like it actually dropped 60% yeah. almost. Cause it was 22 around there. It was like mm-hmm. low twenties last year. And that was yeah. the lowest ever. Cause it was, it, it, and think about it. It was, I think in the mid forties, 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean about, that's around. That's, yeah. I mean, you know, you can blame COVID, and I do blame COVID for most of that, but that's bad. Which I think that I think that's. Of- but here's the optimistic spin. Uh, you know, about five or six months ago, we had our little emergency podcast where we were like, "Oh my God, movie theaters are dead because of the yeah. HBO Max thing." Uh, they're not dead. No. Clearly, people want to see movies in theaters. Clearly, people aren't seeking out movies in the same way when they're on streaming. Because my thought logic is, yeah, they're going to get hit, but how, and it's going to, it's going to be one of, if not the lowest rated Oscars, it's going to be bad. But isn't there going to be some more engagement because people have such easy access to the movies? And the answer is no. People don't want to see it at home. People don't want to watch Nomadland at home. They're like, oh, like, if I'm going to watch a movie like that, I want to be in the theater. I want to experience like that or else what's the priority? Because I think things just kind of get lost in the shuffle on Netflix. Like, what's really the difference between Make and Kissing Booth 2? I mean, (laughs) you don't really know. It's all kind of lost in the shuffle there. And if you seek it out, you know what you're seeking out. But, you know, as a casual viewer, I'm not going to just stumble upon Nomadland or Sound of Metal or Judas and the Black Messiah, even if it's nominated for an Oscar. And, I mean, that's the tough thing is you can't, like next year, it'll be, I'm sure, like In the Heights and West Side Story um, are going to be huge audience pleasers and probably get up for some awards. And I think that's stuff people can tune in for and be excited about. And what's what's the big movie this year? Tenet? 
It's nominated for production design and yeah. visuals and even promising, that. I've, promising Young Woman maybe for Best uh, Picture? Judas that, maybe? Was that a cultural thing? It grossed $10 million worldwide. <laughs> yeah. Was it a big cultural thing or was it just the biggest of the nominees? Which I guess that's it, but I'm going to be honest. Like Outside of my film circle, people, not a lot of people are checking that one out. And yeah. No fault of the movie, but it's just that's just the environment. So yeah. it kind of all feels like a wash. Kind of feels like they should be like a mulligan. Um, but they're going to have to make changes. I think they're going to go with a host next year. I don't think that was the main issue with the show. Um, yeah, I kind of like that there weren't any awkward. There there weren't any moments where somebody came out and tried to do a bit. Oh, maybe one. We'll get to that later. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that part later on. Yeah, there was one bit, but besides that, and it felt more like, oh, we got to do a bit. Um, but it wasn't like, oh, we got to have like Melissa McCarthy come out here and do a weird accent, and nobody laughs, and then she says, uh, or have someone come out there and just be like, Trump is bad, and then give an award for documentary short. You know, <laughs> like yeah, it, it it felt natural enough. It just, it was definitely missing something. Also, no musical performances during the show. I thought that, I, I watched the pre-show, or not all the pre-show, because it was like 20 hours, but I watched the first two or three, or last two or three hours. So I saw all the musical performances. I thought they were really strong. I think the Kusevic one was great. I think the uh, Speak Now one worked really well. I thought the Fight For You one did really uh she was really good yeah or her her was good yeah. she was good um <laughs> i i, I like the um i like the scene now i love the visual aesthetic of it with the sunset yeah. i thought that was gorgeous it was great so why not have that part of the show it would have and i like that they gave them more time to work with even though it still went over i don't know what you cut but i would have liked to have that there very weird not to introduce the movies because like I said we already are in a year where people didn't see the movies you might as well like right show them what these movies even are so people will be inclined to check them out after this is like such easy promo I don't know why they didn't fight to just be like here's Sound of Metal here's Promising Young Woman right. here's Mink look at this you can watch it literally right now which did you did you like when because I think this goes to what Soderbergh want to do when it comes to stories I'm giving air quotes for it where instead of doing the clips in, in terms of as the nominees he did he kind of did background information which I thought was a cool twist to it but I do think there should have been clips alongside of it maybe just silently kind of going to be something because it it didn't work and if I'm a casual viewer at home as someone who's already invested and in seen all the movies. Yeah, I like the little tidbits. I thought the little fun facts were nice. I, if I'm someone at home who's heard of like three of the movies nominated and they're telling me about um, some fun fact about the writers of, I'm trying to think, of Trial of Chicago 7 right. and of Aaron Sorkin, I don't really care. Yeah. I mean, like, it's I, cool information, I, I, but... I'm sorry. Like, I don't care. I right. haven't seen this movie. Uh, if it's, like, Sound of Metal, they're talking about the writer for that. I'm like, I haven't even heard of this movie. Why do I care? Show them why they should care. That's exactly. That's what you need to do. 
And, and they that's usually advertise. What, hey, we're gonna like her is a prominent artist. Leslie Odom Jr. is a name that people know. These people are gonna be performing. You can see them perform songs. You can. It's just anything to bring yeah. people in. Um, and, and really, I, I just want to say when you talk about advertising, usually the Oscars are basically kind of a big advertisement for the films that are nominated. Because usually, especially if a film wins a big award like Best Picture, like I know last year with Parasite, it got a huge boost from that Best Picture one where people were like, oh, wow, the people awarded this Best Picture. Well, I want to go out and check it. So uh, this is like a big advertisement for these kinds of films for people to see. Yeah, that's. I think that should be in. Uh, I don't know if this doesn't affect ratings or anything. I thought the In Memoriam was terrible. Yeah. I, I, I've uh, said it was it's the worst, the worst of the song. I've ever seen. It was, was that? the to beat of the song. Because at first I'm like, are they... Did they speed this up for time? But it was still to the beat of the song. And it's fast. Like, it's fast. But it was way too fast. And it, it definitely, it, it, we'll talk about it at the end. But, I mean, the placement of it was definitely intentional. And it just all, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it at the end. Because, and the crazy thing, too, is the fact that there were, there were so many people that we lost, like so many legends that we lost this year, whether it was to COVID or just some other, something else. It, it just allowed them to breathe a little bit. Well, it's like, it's like if, if you look down and look back up, you miss two or three people. So I just, I just thought it was a bad taste. One last question I have for you, and I think I've said pretty much my piece on this show, this show itself. What did you think of Questlove? I liked Questlove, and I think this is a problem that I have just throughout is the fact that I – because one of the things the producers said is basically the Academy knew that this wasn't going to be something where they were going to, I think, rebound with ratings wise. And they basically told the producers, go do your thing, no matter what it is. I think that's why we got a lot of what we did. And I think one of those things was Questlove and he decided to change up the, the music a little bit. And, And some parts I liked it, some parts I didn't really love at the same time. Like I did miss, and I, I guess this comes with the live orchestra, but I, I guess you could have just played the score unless you couldn't get the fair rights to it. Uh, I'm sure they were had- willing to let them <laughs> use the scores that were nominated. I'm yeah. sure of that. Well, yeah, but but like you play the winner's score as, a, as they're going up. That's usually something that happens, but it's just some of the song choices felt out of place. I just, it, it felt, and thinking about it now, that part did feel a little bit like we were at a Teen Choice Awards movie. Like, that it, is something that's a part of it. Yeah, that. I mean, I don't want to seem like it is beneath the integrity of the economy. No, it's but, not. And I, and um, I love Questlove. And I think yeah, you love I, you know, and he's got an encyclopedic knowledge of music. Yeah. And he was able to pull from that a lot. And I just think it only worked when it worked. I appreciate the ambition of it yeah. in trying something new. I think it kind of worked for the setting. I don't know if it would have worked in the Dolby Theater, no. I agree. And again, maybe that's because, again, we can't have a live orchestra because that's usually what plays throughout the the Academy Awards is there's a live orchestra underneath. But again, you can't have a live orchestra, not now anyways, with COVID. So that's tough to do, which I understand. But you could have, again, the the score, you could have found some other way to, to do it. Here's what I'll say. And I'll leave it on this. It, was it a great show? No. Was it better than the Globes? It, it made that mark. <laughs> yeah, it did. For better or for worse. I will not forget these Oscars. So there's that. For better or for worse, though, that's my question. 
I won't forget. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get yeah. to who actually won awards. Yes. All right. We made so, predictions. And yeah, we made predictions. Right. And we got a, a few a few wrong, some right, some surprises throughout. So we're going to get to every single one of them. And we're going to go through some of them quickly because, uh, again, there's not we, we predicted them. And there were just some that we were going to get right, we were going to get wrong no matter what. So we're going to start out with the shorts real quick. And just, just to kind of go through the winners of them. It was two distant strangers, one best live action short. That was my my first L. But that, to be fair, here's the thing: mm-hmm. just to defend myself on this, I said on this podcast, my logic was Oscar Isaac is in the letter room, and that was it. And then I afterwards did a little more research and was like, oh no, two distant strangers is so winning. But I said on the Sam Bissell podcast, and I will not change my prediction because I'm a man of my word. Yeah, and I just watched. It's just the, the one out. But the other ones I was pretty locked in on. And, I did not. That was my also, I saw Trayvon Free's speech was great. Uh, he's the first African-American person to win the live action short category. Yeah. And um, him and his producing or directing partner, producing director, him and the other guy who won the award <laughs> were dressed nice. They were dressed and very nice. Very, the black and gold looked so well. Looked so well. Nice. I, I, and I was... it, it, it like matched the poster for the movie. Oh. Great. Yeah. And shout out to Joey Badass. Yeah. Great rapper. I guess a good actor too. And just to kind of run it through it real quick, just kind of the list of, of winners in terms of who won the most overall. Nomadland was the overall winner with just three Academy Awards. And then the father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Ma Rainey's, Mank, Soul, Santa Metal, all tied for two. And then with one apiece, another round, Minari, My Octopus Teacher, Promising Woman, and Tenant all had one apiece. So we'll get into ones they won specifically. Diplomacy. Yeah, but I just wanted to run those down real quick before we, we yeah. continued on. But so I, I actually got two Distant Strangers right. That was the only one that I, that I won in the shorts. I, went I think one that's the three. only one you got over me. Yeah, I lost documentary short. I had a long a, a love song for Latasha winning, but Colette won that one. Yeah, I had a concerto. Yeah. And, and then I had best animated short. I had Burrow, but it was If Anything Happens, I Love You winning for Which, that award. That's the one I got right. So big props for me. <laughs> Good job. Uh, I think that's on Netflix. And I yeah. learned what it was about after the fact, or after I recorded my prediction. And I was, it's very like sad. Sounds very sad. I'm not going to be watching that one. Yes. But again, I'm going to plug it in. I'm going to plug it in here, though. Burrow, check it out on Disney Plus. Great little short. Not as good as that. <laughs> All right. Agree to disagree on that one, my friend. Okay. So now to get on to best international film, the winner of this one, I think Jason, to no surprise, was another round winning this one. And then instantly coming through with the Leonardo DiCaprio produced American remake because he can't read. Yeah, I guess I guess not. We can't. Um, I did love the speech. This the speech was long too. It was like six or seven minutes. Thomas Vinterberg, uh, like instantly putting tears in my eyes, mm-hmm. um, talking about how. Right before they started filming, he lost his daughter to a, uh, someone texting and driving. Yep. And, you know, he dedicated the award to her. Just really has goosebumps talking about it right now. because That's just the saddest thing to even imagine, just unimaginable pain. And, you know, he's, he's a director who I've really appreciated, if anyone hasn't seen um, any yeah. of his movies before this. He's a phenomenal director and... This movie's on Hulu, so it is. Uh, check it out. Also, I love when he mentions Madden Mickelson's name. He took a minute to pause, and the audience started to applaud. Love that because he is yeah. a great actor. Great, great, really well done speech. Probably 
my favorite speech of the night. I agree. Well, there might be another one that we'll get into, but I do want to actually talk about it real quick because we didn't talk about it about the show. Because the, that was another thing that they decided to do where they didn't have any playoff music. And that was one of the things that I think added to the length of the show, which I think yes. they didn't intend for them to be that way, was the long speeches. Uh, there were some like Vinderberg speech, which were great, well thought out. It deserved that kind of time where I think on, on short on a short thing, you don't get that kind of speech. But there were some where you just could say, okay. They were definitely a gra- Like, because he set the, he was one of the first winners. So yeah. he set the tone and everyone's like, oh, I can go that long? <laughs> like, yeah. You don't need to. <laughs> you don't need to. If you don't have a story like that, you don't need to go that long. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll talk uh, more specifically. We get it. Yeah. Um, I only remember a handful of speeches. Yeah. But overall, did you like that? Or do you, again, like kind of going to next year, years after, do you want to kind of go back to playing off people? making It, it depends. It, it worked when it worked, but I understand why they have the rules but i mean if they're not doing you if they're not doing anything anyway like might as well all right so moving on now to best documentary feature and the nominees were my octopus teacher time collective crip camp and the mole agent and jason i think we went straight for this one perfect score my octopus teacher went on to win this award making netflix's second at least as far as i know netflix's second straight win when they won last year for American American Factory. So Netflix is on a roll, at least for documentary feature. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there are probably better documentaries, but most of them weren't even nominated. So we got this one and it's inoffensive and no complaints and I got it right. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's the most important thing. You got it right. You, Jason Abdow, got it right. Let's go. Yeah. All right, moving on now to best animated feature and the nominees were Soul, Wolfwalkers, Onward, Shaun the Sheep, Movie, Farmageddon, and Over the Moon. And again, Jason, perfect sweep for us both again. Sweep for Soul. Soul's the winner on this one. one Yeah, I know. But there was history made with Soul winning Best Animated Feature. It is. It makes Peter Doctor the winningest person ever in the 20-year-old category with three Oscar wins. It is also Pixar's 11th win, giving it the most victories out of any other studio combined. Again, 11th yeah. Academy Award for Pixar. That includes Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Ratatouille, Wall-E, Up, Toy Story 3, Brave, Inside Out, Coco, Toy Story 4, and now you can add Soul to that list. So once again, Pixar just coming in strong. And they again, it's not like this is the fact that it's an okay movie and it's Disney and Pixar. We're going to give it to them. They just keep churning out phenomenal content after phenomenal content. And Soul is just another example of that happening. Oh, for sure. Um, only noticed that. It was sad that Ken Powers technically doesn't yeah for the win. Yeah. He, and he was there. He just had to sit there and watch. He's a co-director, not a director. Yeah. If I'm Pete Doctor, I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to have him come up. Anyway. I would have had him come on. Yeah. Yeah. Give a little speech, but it is what it is. He he did it for the for the Golden Globes. He should have just done it for this. It was, yeah. It is what it is. But yeah, again, either way, we got this right. No surprise at all. And very happy. It's very deserving of winning this award. So moving on to best visual effects. The nominees were Tenant, The Midnight Sky, The One and Only Ivan, Mulan, and Love and Monsters. And I think again, Jason, maybe there could have been a little bit of competition from the midnight sky, but at least Tenet walks away with one Oscar win and it is best visual effects. I think it definitely earned it. It was well-deserving and I'm very happy that this movie that I really did love in 2020, despite everything that comes along with it, the baggage of the storylines it made, it does definitely deserve this award. It was very revolutionary and, and kind of ahead of time for what they were able to do with the visual effects 
And I'm very happy for Tenant winning. And it uh, drops on HBO Max on Friday. Exactly. So, or Saturday after, actually. Um, Saturday? May, May 1st. Oh, no. I wanted to watch it. I had it all planned out in my head. I had my whole Friday night viewing. Oh, man. <sighs> you ruined, ruined my weekend. Thing. I know. I, I try. I won't do that next time. <laughs> but, yeah. Happy for Tenant being an award-winning film now. Good for it. All right. Moving on to best sound. The nominees were... Soul, Mank, News of the World, Greyhound, and Sound of Metal. And the winner, again, I think Jason, no surprise, Sound of Metal winning this award for its unique style of, of, of sound editing, sound of mixing. There were, I think this was one that was kind of not in the books for a long time, but definitely when he watched the film and he thought about the Oscars, definitely a contender for this category and very well-deserved. Yeah, absolutely. No shock there. Well-deserved. My personal pick there. And But one thing... Uh, don't have the nominees, the people from the movie, give the award out to the movie. They had Riz Ahmed give this one out, and it was like, it just yeah. kind of gave it away, really. But they did this weird, like, I kind of liked it. They did the gym shot. Yeah, that was and cool. they kind of panned over to the envelope. So, I mean, it ended up working because the movie ended up winning, and if it was something else, it would have been really awkward. But, yeah. you know, he, he, you could see the excitement in his face. He's now officially part of an Oscar-winning movie. And he announced it and it panned over and you saw proof that he wasn't lying. And yep. yeah, it was nice. It was, it was really cool. Really, really cool for him. And, and again, for the film itself, it very much deserved it. All right. Moving on to best song. The nominees were Speak Now, Fight For You, Haushevik, Lo C Scene from The Life Ahead, and Hear My Voice from The Trial of the Chicago 7. Jason, was this one a surprise? Because Fire For You did win this. We both predicted Speak Now to win this yeah. award, but Judas and the Black Messiah won it. Were you surprised or do you think I'm that this was happy, good I'm one? happy for Fight For You. It's probably my second favorite song in the category behind Q Civic. Um, yeah. But I remember we were like really debating this one. I was like, this really could go one of four ways. Um, so I guess that's just how it broke down. Um, her is now the youngest living person with an Oscar, not the youngest person to receive an Oscar, but out of everyone with a golden statue in their possession right now, she is the youngest. Wow. Um, she wow. is. She's younger than us. So now is that she means, really. So that means if either of us won an Oscar last night, we wouldn't have been able to hold that. She's a month younger than me, and you're like a couple months older than me. Okay, I thought so you were gonna say she's like, like June '97. So. Okay. I thought you were gonna say she was two years older than us, or like two years younger than us, or something. No, like that. she's 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 our age group. Okay. She but would still. have been in our grade, Sam. <laughs> okay, good. But still, congratulations to her. She very well did deserve it. Again, I would have loved to see Hajravik win it. Personally, that was my personal kind of preference going into the night, where I was really hoping for that one to win. But again, I thought it delivered the best, the the best live performance of the night when actually being in Hajravik performing in Iceland. I thought that was awesome. The the, the skyline where you see the the the, mm-hmm. the magical kind of myst- mystic lights that you see. In the uh, background, great, great performance. Would have been so cool during the show. <laughs> I know. I know. I think a lot more people would have saw it. But again, I, I think also kind of just kind of going back to those performances, I do think when, when we go back to a traditional Oscar telecast and they do do those performances, I do hope that they kind of do these either they're pre-taped or, or they're live outside 
and they incorporate them into the show. Because as much as I, I understand kind of making more of a theatrical performance, I do love the, I think the, the freedom that directors were given for those segments to kind of make all these visual decisions. I don't think they would be afforded if it was performed in a theater like, like the Dolby. So I hope they continue that idea in the actual telecast moving forward. Cause I thought it worked I agree. Here tremendously. They're, they're very limited on the, Dolby and I can't it's like you can't even think of any distinct performances there yeah it's all they all kind of look the same and most of the time it's like ballads getting nominated anyway so they do the black light with the spotlight right yeah like they they, they, they don't utilize them to the best way whereas I think because a lot of the performances were on the top of the academy uh, academy museum that's going to be opening this year mm-hmm. they just had so many different more opportunities great to do. promo yeah great promo Great, great, great way. Another, and more, like, just like the movie thing, you missed that opportunity for promo for the um, Oscar Museum. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you, no matter what. All right, so let's go through these again real quick. So we got Best Production Design. The nominees were Mank, News of the World, Tenant, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and The Father. I think you and- skipped one, Sam. Oh, I did. Excuse me. So best score. So we got Soul, Mank, Minari, News of the World, and The Five Bloods. The winner was Soul. Jason, thoughts on that one real quick? Obvious. We knew that uh, Reznor and Ross were going to come through with their second award somehow. Um, nice that they gave Batiste the, the mic. It was his first win, and he is the first Afri- or second African-American person to win that category. Um, the first was in the 80s, and I cannot remember who they are. Yeah. 100%. And they deserved it. And I think it was just great to kind of see them give that kind of speech in that kind of way. I thought it was great to really kind of see that happen. So excited for soul winning that award. They deserved it. I'm excited that it's a two time Oscar winner right now. So moving on to best production design, the nominees were Mank news of the world tenant, Ma Rainey's black bottom and the father. I think Jason, again, no surprise. Mank was the winner of this, just the aesthetic of 1930s, Mm -hmm. 40s Hollywood. It just worked so well. No surprise in my opinion. Yeah. Mank. Good movie. Good movie. Good set. Old Hollywood, just like last year with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They love looking at themselves. <laughs> exactly. They did. They did. All right. Moving on now to best makeup and hairstyling. The nominees were Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Hillbilly LG, Emma, Pinocchio, and Mank. And the, nom- the, the winner, excuse me, was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is this is the first time that a woman of color won this category for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Well-deserved. I think it was the best makeup and hairstyling of the bunch, and I'm very excited for this one. Yeah, can't uh, disagree, and I predicted it, so I'm happy there. <laughs> All right, so best film editing. We're going to go to the nominees on this one were The Trial of Chicago 7, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Father, and the nominees, or not the nominees, excuse me, the winner was Sound of Metal, which was my fourth one on Gold with Jeremy Jason. I had uh, no- that was my two. I heard sw- more. I switched on this one. I had Trial of the Chicago 7 winning this one. I switched on you last second. <gasps> I know, I did. You I switched did to Nomadland? I know. I thought, I thought, you know what? No, Trial of Chicago 7 might win this one. The only award it could win for the night. Instead, it goes away with a big fat zero. And Sound of Metal won this, which I was very surprised by, but I'm very happy for Sound of Metal being a two-time Academy Award winner. Yeah, it shows that, and again, it's more proof that the guilds don't mean anything for these categories because Sound of Metal was shot out of both, of wins for both the sound and the editing guilds and uh, won both at the Oscars. Um, so BAFTA's way more accurate. Actually, generally, like, BAFTA's pretty much got 
everything right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it only got like one or two of these categories wrong. Um, BAFTAs just like ended up being more right than I think we used to think they are. Like it was literally like the parallel. Yeah. Um, it's, it's well deserved. I'm I'm not upset. I just thought that they were going to spread the love a little more. And also, Chicago Seven had like the most editing. I saw it had like. It I did. didn't think they would think too much about it, but I guess they did. That's how they voted. All right, moving on now to best costume design. The nominees were Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Emma, Mulan, Mank, Pinocchio. The winner was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Jason, your thoughts on this one? I predicted it, so yeah. Yeah, you got it. You love it? All right. Very happy for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Now moving on to best cinematography. The nominees were Mank, Nomadland, Judas and the Black Messiah, News of the World, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Jason, I thought Nomadland could pull this one out, but instead, I think it was the one that we all thought could win this one back in December, and that is the 1940s look of Mank. Again, I would have, if I didn't see Nomadland and it was just Mank, I would have gotten for this one. It's so dumb because when I got it wrong, I was like, why did I not predict that? That makes sense. I don't know. I mean, Nomadland made sense too. Um, And when I won this, it's second Oscar for Mank, and now Mank officially has more Oscars than Citizen Kane. Look at that. That only got one Oscar for original screenplay. And now it is not the most run, the highest Rotten Tomato score either. So Mank is yeah, it's a, it's big, big, just a tough weekend for Citizen yep. Kane. Exactly. All right. Moving on now to best original screenplay. The nominees were Trials of Chicago 7, Promising Young Woman, Minari, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Sound of Metal. Jason, I think we both went, sweeped on this one too. Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennell being the first woman to win a screenplay award, original screenplay award since it's been 13 years since that happened. She joins the likes of Sofia Coppola, Jane Campion, and Callie Curry of being women to win this award. Diablo Cody. And Diablo Cody as well. And so, again, love this for, for Emerald Fennell, her first feature ever. And she wins it for this. Very well deserved. I'm very happy for her. Yeah, and she gave a great speech. Um, yep, got it right. And probably my personal pick. Were you at least happy to see Promising Woman win a significant award like and this? And I'm glad that it at least won something. Because that yeah. was its only win at a night, unfortunately. First, first one, too. So got off on a, on a really good note for you, too. I know. I was like, oh, maybe my mulligan pick is going to go well, and you will get to that. We'll get to that. All right, moving on to the final screenplay award. The nominees for Best Adapted Screenplay were Nomadland, The Father, One Night in Miami, Borat's subsequent movie film, The White Tiger. And the winner of this one, Jason, I think, again, give us an indication of what the night would look like moving forward. The Father won this award. There was a lot of competition back and forth after the BAFTAs of, can the father pull this one out? Is Nomadland safe in this category? And it proved once again, the Baptists were right. The father winning this award and beginning its run in the Oscars this night. Not didn't go to Ben's pick a Borat subsequent movie film. But oh, I know my roommate. He tried, but he tried, but he tried to think outside the box. I was very happy about the father because it was a little bit of an upset, um, and I, I predicted it correctly. And I just think yeah, very well deserved, and it, it definitely was the most screenplay ish to outside of One Night in Miami, but I think it was just the most visible movie there. I agree. And I, and I did see this movie the night before the Oscars because you were loving it. And, and I said, all right, I'm going to watch this. And you're, you're, you're right. The, the screenplay from top to bottom was amazing. I do think it was the best adaptation of a, of a, of a stage to screen adaptation this year that we had from One Night in Miami and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I think this was the best one. They did the most with it for sure. Absolutely. 
All right, moving on now to the acting categories. This is where it's going to get interesting. Not in these first two, though, but it will get interesting. So we have Best Supporting Actor. The nominees were Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of Chicago 7, Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah, and Paul Reese for Sound of Metal. Jason, Jason, Daniel Kaluuya. He swept. He swept them in. All the, all the major precursors, Globes, Critics. SAG, BAFTA, he swept it, he earned it, and I'm very happy. A few years after he got his first surprising Academy Award nomination from Get Out, he gets his second nomination and his first win with Judas and the Black Messiah, very well earned and a very great way for him to end this award season cycle for him and Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, super happy for him. His speech was hilarious. <laughs> it was great. It went in every direction. Yeah. And I appreciated it. His was the best speech of the night, in my opinion, just because of what he said about his mom. I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. I think that, yeah, that was an example of them when they have more time. They're like, oh, well, I'll just fill up some more time here because you're not going to play me off. And he just kind of rambled it. I kind of, I was a fan. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel bad for, well, obviously his, his mother for probably embarrassing here in front of the world. And then I feel bad for Danny Kaluuya because he probably got a smack and next time he sees his mother. So <laughs> feel bad for both of them at the same exact time, but still. Oh, he got a moment out of it. And that's important. a great moment, great moment out of it. Very happy for him. And I'm excited to see all the great work he's going to do next, specifically joining Jordan Peele's third movie. So it could be some more Academy Award nominations for him in the future. All right. Moving on to Best Supporting Actress, the nominees were Yoo Jung Yoon for Minari, Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film, Olivia Cohen for The Father, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, and Amanda Seyfried for Mank. So once again, Jason, for a race that started off as a two-horser between Maria and Yoon, it ends with Yoon Jung Yoon winning this award. Very well-deserved. And again, I think a great speech from her talking about Brad Pitt and just, just kind of having fun with it. And so I, I really am happy for her winning this award. Yeah, she really had a great sense of humor. And the, yeah, and Brad Pitt being a producer on the movie, um, it just kind of all ended up working out there. I think, yeah, that it was a great win. And yeah, one of my favorite moments of the night. Yeah, it's great. It, it was a great, great performance, a, a great role. And I'm very happy for the male streep of Korean filmmaking. So very happy for her as well. All right, you ready for these last ones, buddy? Get this next one done. This All right. So, well, you know what? I'll do best actress first and then we'll do best actor. Yes. This is also a good one to talk about. All right. So, best actress, the nominees were Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman, Frances McDermott for Nomadland, Andrea Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday, and Vanessa, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. So, Jason, did you pick, did you pick Frances McDermott? No, oh, I picked Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, pick Carrie Mulligan. Okay, so we no, both got wrong on this one. My my thought process was correct. Yeah, it was. It was. I but I had it backwards. My thought process was, and now this is the one where I really want to know who was the two, who was the three, and who yeah. was the four. I said what happened here was Viola Davis and Andre Day are going to split votes because, and I hate to say it, but it's it's how voters think. Is you know people are like I want to give it to a woman of color. And they couldn't pick between them. I want to give it to a musical performance. Couldn't pick between them. And I think it, I do think that's just how it happened. And my thought was they were going to split. And Carrie Mulligan was going to come through the middle and win. I was correct, except the wrong person came through the middle <laughs> and won. Um, Francis McDormand, that BAFTA stat is staying strong because I think everyone in the last decade but one person 
had won BAFTA and gone on to win Best Actress, the Oscars. I thought that rule was going to be different this year because Violet and Carrie were not nominated at BAFTA. I was sorely mistaken. And hey, if their third lead actress win, that is a huge accomplishment. I didn't think it was going to happen like this, but I can't take it from her. She did a great job. It makes sense. And, you know, the movie had a great night, so... It did. It did. And I'm very happy for her. And she is now the one of the only ones to have three Academy Awards for Best Actress. She is one away from tying Katherine Hepburn for the most wins in Academy Awards history. Do you think that she has another phenomenal performance in her? She probably does, but... Uh, I mean, she definitely has another phenomenal performance yeah, in her. Probably we'll see if it leads to another Academy Oscar Award. win. Do you think it will? She, I don't know. She is, she is ending the night with four Oscars, so a fifth is quite a lot. Her and Joel Cohen have like eight Oscars in their house right now. I would love to see that trophy room. <laughs> <laughs> that must be a nice trophy room in their house. But yeah, I think, listen, she she was great. I think she played a, a different character than we're accustomed to her seeing, like mm-hmm. accustomed to her doing. So for her to kind of play a very nuanced role, I think was different, and I'm very happy for her. Very, very yeah. happy. Definitely a nice little bit of range. And, you know, yeah, it was a very nuanced performance, yeah. a very quiet performance. Um, awesome. She nailed it. I think, I think it was this speech or was another one that we'll talk about later on. We're talking about the Howell? No, no, no. The, the one where she talked about going to the movies. Was that this speech or was that another speech? I think it was this one, which was I, nice. Because I was going to say I love that speech. And I, and I get the speeches and what they talk about and they want to promote things that they're doing. I would have liked to, 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 for people to promote going back to the movies because that was a big thing about the telecast as well. Where yeah, it was about yeah. going back to the movies. We're open. We're open for business. I wish more people did that. But they, I think people were a little scared to do it. I guess. But, no, no, Frances McDermott, though, she, she's a tough cookie. So I'm happy she, she did. She knows no fear. She doesn't. And I'm very happy she tried to get people to go back to the movies, which I know in a few places right now, No Man Land is screening in theaters and specifically on IMAX screen. So... Again, like she said, if you, if you feel safer, one day you can get everyone back in and, and seeing on the big screen. I was very happy that she put that message out there. Very happy. All right. This is the award that's, that, that's gonna, that we're going to be talking about right now. Yeah. Best Actor. The nominees were Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins, Riz Ahmed, Stephen Young, and Gary Oldman. So, Jason, this is where we get into the next part of the telecast, where this is where the controversy arises from, and I think what it, this show will be remembered for, unfortunately. And th- I, this is where I got very angry, and I texted you in all caps. I was, I was steaming throughout this sequence of events. So, you had Best Picture go third, you had Best Actress, and then you had Best Actor, which, to, to be fair, Best Picture in, in years ago, I'm talking decades ago, was not the last category of the night. Usually in the first 17 out of 24 award ceremonies for the Oscars, Best Picture was not the last category of the night. And the last one was 1972. And the, the last time that happened was to honor, honor, I believe it was Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. And so that makes sense. Yeah. I... I mean, the Grammys do this too, where they have album of the year go not last, and I always feel like it's weird, but they recognize the record of the year is kind of like their best picture equivalent, but it's weird in my mind, an individual song, but whatever. 
So, but as soon as I saw, and they didn't have like, but usually they have like the lineup of the nominee or the order of the awards ahead of time. I didn't see any this year. And as soon as I saw this picture, I was like, oh, and it, it all clicked to me. And I knew, oh, they're going to end with Chadwick winning. And then when it didn't happen, Anthony Hopkins won. I don't know if you said that. <laughs> yeah, no. So um, Anthony Hopkins did end up yes. winning the award. So, yeah. And Anthony Hopkins wins. And I'm not going to say he doesn't serve it because quite honestly, like, you know, I, you know, only one of these performances made me cry and it was the one that won. So how can I say it was a bad yeah. decision? And um, no hate for Anthony Hopkins at all for giving a great performance. It's unfortunate circumstances for him, for sure. But um, to be put in this situation, he didn't even, he doesn't go to awards. So it wasn't really a surprise that he wasn't here. But I don't know. It just felt a little dirty from the Academy uh, to really try to exploit this situation. And it really felt like that. If it worked out, it would have been nice. But you really felt like the exploitation at the end of the day. Like, oh, they really wanted to, like, trying to emotionally manipulate the ceremony, have it end with like his grieving spouse. And that's just gross. I, yeah. I don't like that. And then the fact that he got snubbed, uh, like, it, I mean, you know, he'll be remembered at the end of the day. It's just a statue, but yeah. And, and again, both performances I think were great. Again, I would have loved to see Chadwick win it because I had him number one. I thought he could deliver a great performance, but again, like you, the night before watching Anthony Hopkins, performance i mean again we're talking about a guy who has a long career long history of great performances and he again probably delivered one of the great ones of his career at 83 years old so it was incredible for him to get that and again this goes to show and this will be the post child for producers that produce the, these award shows they do not know the answers to these award shows you cannot base something off of a story like this and you just kind of you just have to play it out the way it's going to play out no matter what and unfortunately they could have ended it with best picture and we'll get into that right now but again they, they ended it with the where Anthony Hopkins was not there, obviously because of COVID, he's 83 years old. It, it makes sense why he wouldn't be there. The, con- the Academy wouldn't it. accommodate him for it. So it just ended with a, uh, with a little bit of a dud, not because of, of Anthony Hopkins or, or any fault to Chadwick Boseman's family or, or Anthony Hopkins, just that the producers got it wrong. Yep. It's yeah. how it happens. That's how it happens. But again, uh, again, two great performances that will always be remembered. Anthony Hopkins really did deserve that award as well. Okay, moving on to the final two categories of the night. We'll get through these real quick. Best director went to Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Jason. No shock. No shock. No shock there. Yeah. She deserved it. Second woman to win it behind Catherine Bigelow and this first woman of color to win this award. Very well deserved. Gave, yeah, great speech. More sneakers. So, yeah. Big props. Being yeah. just the most Chloe Zhao person. Yeah, Chloe Zhao winning no matter what. And Jason, do we think we see Eternals in the. Oscar. Let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. I don't <laughs> see it happening, but I see it being good. All right. uh, but I'm not going to predict that it's going to be an Oscar movie. But hey, maybe they're going to push it more because they're like, hey, nobody watched it here. Yeah. Nominate some blockbusters. <laughs> yeah. And now again, for Marvel fans, you got an Academy Award winner behind you. It, it, now Eternals marketing can say from award-winning director Chloe Zhao, which... Because that's what people care about for Marvel movies. Exactly. That's the only thing people care about, so... It's the prestigiousness, Jason. The Oscar prestige behind. Exactly. All right. And then we get to the final category of the night. And of course, it's been this way since the beginning and it closed out on the highest mountain possible. Nomadland did win Best Picture. And I do think they were shortchanged because of the way of the producers rearranged the categories. I would have loved to see winning this at the end of the night. Best Director was like an hour in it. Yeah. It was super Imagine any of these two wins. These two categories, imagine ending the night. 
Yeah, it would have been great, but they didn't do that. It was very weird. I'm cool with the director being a little earlier. Um, as like a little tease. But the fact that, yeah, Nomadland was kind of robbed of the big moment at the end. I think the Chadwick Boseman wouldn't lost would have hurt us bad if it wasn't what we literally ended on as the big snub. Like, that's what we built to. This, uh, it would have been nice. And, you know, the next day, all I heard was just the Chadwick snub. That's all people were talking about. I... You know, you, you turn on TV, they're talking about uh, Chadwick Boseman uh, and that whole situation. I didn't hear anyone about Nomadland. Like, people were just not talking about it. That's yeah. this incredible disservice to this movie that just steamrolled an entire Oscar season. Literally. In a COVID year. It killed it. Yeah. And it's a great movie on top of it. Exactly. Um, and I'm just not seeing it get that parasite-like boot because I just think because of some negligent producing that didn't pan out. That's just how it happened. Very yeah. unfortunate um, for that movie. But, I mean, we can still be happy. It'll be remembered a part of history as an Oscar-winning, our best picture-winning movie. Uh, and, yeah, it definitely is deserved. Yeah. I'm very happy for it. Also, I do like, this is the speech that Francis McDormand did howl. And in, the, and, and in the moment, it seems weird. But when you actually know the subtext behind it, that was an honor to their sound mix, who tragically took his own life a few months beforehand. They were honoring him in that way. He was a big part of their production. So they think they wanted to honor him. And that was a great way to do it. And, and Francis McDormand style, she did that. And yeah. I absolutely loved it. And I'm very happy for Nomadland winning this as well. And would you consider Hulu the first streaming service to win a Best Picture? No, or is that te- a technicality? It's a technicality. All right. It didn't produce the movie, so it doesn't count. Exactly. I 100% agree with you on that. So, Jason, as we wrap up here on the Sam Bissell Podcast, I just want to get you, again, your overall thoughts on this entire award season. This is the longest award season in Oscar history. We're at the end of it, finally. What are your overall thoughts about it? Hey, at least we have the shortest one to follow it up now. <laughs> Very true. Uh, I'm happy that it's over now. I think it ran its course, and I think that also contributed to low ratings. It's like, oh, my God, we've already had so many award shows. It's April. It's almost May. Why are we having yeah. this now? Yeah. <laughs> People were kind of done with it by then. I, I, yeah, I don't want this to happen again. But thankfully, if there's anything I can be certain of, this will not be the new normal. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think this will happen again. Hopefully, it sounds like we're going to get a lot of film festivals back up and running. Cannes is going to try to do its thing. Tribeca, we're going to be getting the the Toronto Film Festival. Hopefully, we get Telluride and Venice again. And this is only the second Golden Lion film to win the Best Picture out of the Venice Film Festival, too, just to kind of throw that out there for Nomadland. But again, hopefully, we do go back to some kind of normalcy this time around. And Jason, it's always great to have you on, buddy, to talk about this stuff. Again, we always have you on for a lot of award season talk, but we'd love to have you on for a bunch of other stuff as well to talk about movies and reviews and whatnot. But before we kind of wrap up here officially, to look ahead to next award season, is there any film, just one or two, three, however many, that comes to mind that you think could be a major contender this far out, even though it's not that far out in advance now because we're in April, but this far out until September, October, when we really begin talking about next year? I'll rattle off, like, just a few that come to mind. Uh, like I mentioned, West Side Story. I'm sure it'll do decent. More excited for In the Heights. Um, French Dispatch, Dune. Exciting things that were pushed back. And uh, Adam McKay's new movie with Netflix, Don't Look Up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a climate change. Caprio. That. It's sci-fi. Could be a crowd-pleasing socially conscious kind of deal. Um, very excited with anything he does. Yeah, I agree. How about you? 
I'm, I'm looking forward to Lady Macbeth, Macbeth this year from Cohen, and you got Denzel and Francis McDermott following that up as well. There's a film called Coda, Child of Deaf, I think, Americans mm-hmm. it is. Yes, adults. Uh, adults, yeah, and it came out from Sundance. I heard great things about it, so that's one I'm really looking forward to that I think could really kind of like kind of pull a Minari in a sense and really kind mm-hmm. of sustain itself throughout this award season or next award season as well. So those are the ones I'm looking forward to. West Side Story kind of passing the baton from this award season to the next award season. That's one that I'm really looking forward to. I think that could pull out uh, a lot of Oscar nominations if it can keep the steam. In the Heights could be a surprise player for a lot of awards. There's already some Oscar buzz about the the, the grandma in the movie kind of pulling a Yoon Jung Yoon in a way. So there's a lot of buzz behind these films. So hopefully we do see that happen and hopefully we get a lot of big films down the line and that could maybe attribute to what we saw in 2018 with a lot of the 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 ratings kind of pulling through in the end so again a lot of stuff to look forward to for the next few months but that's going to end it for our award season conversation right now so jason abdow it's been great to have you on buddy great to 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 see you and thank you for all these months coming along through us for this award season and we hope to have you back on soon to just talk, talk about anything we'll have you on for a movie review one time soon we love having you on i'll be back on don't you worry oh yeah in the heights we'll have on soon black widow all these movies we're gonna have be great great fun very excited yeah and do you have anything you want to plug for people to find you on twitter or 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 any kind of websites anything like that twitter at jason abdow and uh my blog criticaldarling.com uh, you can you can follow up, see what I'm doing on there. Not nothing crazy, but you might as well throw that out there. Absolutely. Listen, you, you posted your first post on, on that on Critical Darling, and I got to say it was really really cool. If you want to follow on all the Oscar nominated Best Picture films, definitely go check that out. I highly recommend it. But Jason, once again, thank you so much for coming on the Sam Bissell Podcast, and we hope to have you on soon again, buddy. Thanks for having me, as always. Of course, buddy. Take care. <laughs>